right, folks, Brock Lurie on the Brock Lurie Podcast. Thanks for being with us today. So today, again, we have Peter Eastwood, backed by popular demand. Okay, by my demand, okay? So, because I love this man so much. Uh, Peter, welcome to the Brock Lurie Podcast again. Brock, thank you very much. The love is mutual. <laughs> uh, it is great. Uh, by the way, doesn't Peter have a fantastic voice? Yeah, you see, that's the real reason why I had you on the show, Peter, because your voice is awesome, okay? But, but you're really, uh, I mean, I'm kidding, kidding a bit here, but your background is so extraordinary. Uh, you are a gay man, a gay conservative man, who came, came to conservatism through your logic and through your experiences and your sense of fairness. And, and, I, and I love hearing that, I do. And, and I, as a Jew, uh, have come you know, in a very similar way, right? We're, we're similar. I mean, it's like a, a black conservative, a Jewish conservative, a gay conservative, uh, you know, whatever. I think a woman conservative for that matter. Uh, it, they're all such anomalies in the mindset of a, of a leftist, right? And they just, it does not compute to them. It's very odd for them. But anyway, let's talk uh, about something that I think needs more discussion. And I, and I, Peter, I hate something I actually hate talking about because it makes me so depressed. And that is what's happening on the southern border. It is a disaster. And it, two things I hate about it. One is that there's a sense of lack of control, that there's this horrible leak uh, in our bathtub, so to speak, uh, and it's flooding the house, and it's going to create irreparable damage because of the flood, as it were. Um, some of them, of course, are going to be good people and contributors to American society. Yes, I have no doubt about that. Um, but some of them are going to be very bad, and a lot of them are going to be very bad. Even if 10%, which is a small percentage, are evildoers, we've got a big problem on our hands. To say nothing of all the welfare we have to now pump into the, and take care of uh, these people and uh, bring them into the system and otherwise. And, and But the thing that bothers me even more is that it's, it's being done, obviously, intentionally. It's intentional. It's intentional. So, I mean, it, it depresses me. What, what do you think? Well, w- when you say out of control, I mean, I, I echo everything that you've just said. And you say out of control, and I used to think that too, like out of control, and it leaves me with a sense of uh, like apathy that I have never experienced before. The, 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 I feel so powerless. But to know that it is exactly what they want to do. The liberals, the left, the Democrats, Biden and Harris, this is their plan. Otherwise, if they're just letting it go and writing it out, um, well, either way, actually, it is the absolute cruelest thing that has ever been perpetrated on Americans and, and, and our country. I mean, the damage uncalculatable damage for generations. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, at, we're in October, everybody. It's not even Halloween. And there have been approximately 2 million undocumented illegal um, entries into our country. Right. And, and I think that might be a conservative estimate because, you know, it's like, it's like when the, your child tells you that uh, he's come home late and you, you don't know. Uh, he goes, well, yeah, I was a little bit late, uh, 10 minutes late, Dad. And you that, translate that to an hour and a half late, Dad. Okay, that's what it means. And that's what I feel that I can't trust the numbers from at least this government. And I, I think the Biden administration, I, I, frankly, I know that the Biden administration, what they're really up to is 
They're saying, well, what was me? I mean, there's a crisis at the border. Yes, I, we, we've got to do something about it, please. Oh, no, don't come, please, no. Uh, but of course, they, they, they're inviting these people because they perceive them to be future Democrat voters. That's it. That, that is the sole reason why they're doing it. Well, if they say they're doing it to, you know, gain votes, that's obvious now. But yeah. they also say that, you know, these people need help. And uh, listen, long ago, someone said to me, if you're going to clean the street, make sure that your yard is clean first before you start, you know, dictating to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Keep your side of the street clean. We have so much to do in America to take care of our citizens, to take care of people that are waiting for citizenship, to take care of our elderly, our disabled, let alone all of these people with all of their issues and the unvetted Afghans and the southern border is, this is not a humanitarian effort anymore. It's an unhumanitarian effort for everybody. The people that live on the border, us as a country, and those people coming over under the um, false impression that they're going to be Americans, perhaps, but always a second or third class citizen. These, they're, they're, they're being used. And what is most alarming, Barack, is to see the absolute impunity to everything American. They're not coming over here to be American. That's why I can't say it. They, they storm the borders in Mexico. They storm the police lines. They're storming our border. I, I, am, I, I started crying, brought tears to my eyes two days ago when I saw that Governor Abbott has unified the National Guard. And there is now along that whole stretch it's it's like embattled. I mean, they put up fortresses with their cars and their personage, their human chain. I would love to participate, but I'm, we're doing our stuff here. Right. And well, we agree, but perhaps we can have our, uh, you know, in the same way the Internet has allowed us to do a lot of work in different places throughout the country, right? You can, uh, you know, just bring your laptops and everything and be at the border <laughs> and, uh, and do your Zoom meetings and otherwise just protecting there, there the border go, at the absolutely. same time. That would right. be awesome. Anyway, look, uh, it, it's depressing. That's the whole point. It's and, and, and it's also um, angering and insulting in the sense that this government, meaning Biden, and I call him Biden asterisk, right, okay. uh, that, that this administration thinks that we will buy their crap, that this is, oh, you know, woe is me. I mean, we, we got a crisis on our hand. I wonder what the re- root problem of this is, is, is all, right? It, of course, the root problem is that you're letting them in. That's what the root problem is. The lying to yeah. all of us, us is so disrespectful yeah. and it is so un-American. And, and then when you question the lies, you get silenced, but, but they're cruel. They're, yeah. they're cruel, they're manipulative, and they're, um, you know, mean, so mean. Logic doesn't play in. You, you, we know that they're lying. We told them, we know you're lying. They simply don't care that they lie to us and that everything's going to, I mean, let's just say crap. That's about the nicest word I can say. Everything is literally falling apart and they are like Nero fiddling and dancing to all of this chaos. It is sad, Barack. It's exactly right. Well, look, I think their ultimate game plan, and then I want to switch a little bit to another aspect, but it's somewhat related. You'll see. Um, I think that their game plan is to... Uh, let in as many people, uh, illegal immigrants, as possible until November 2022 because they know they're going to be slaughtered in the midterms with or without cheating. Uh, they're going to be slaughtered. There's no way they're going to hold the House um, and or the Senate. People. Yeah, it, it could be a huge, huge um, bath that they're going to take. And, and typically, by the way, it, the Democrats have taken a massive bath 
in the, the first midterms after a Democrat president is elected as president. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I hesitate to say that Biden was elected because I don't believe that for a moment. Um, it's, just, it's just garbage. Anyway, the point is uh, that I think that's their game plan, open up the floodgates as much as possible because they know that they're, they're going to have to close those gates uh, probably sometime in late 2022 or, late, uh, or early 2023. And uh, then they also have to answer for things uh, in 2024. So uh, that, that's the game plan. Look, can we survive that? Can we survive? Can, can the we question survive? is, can we survive it? I mean, that's the real fear. I mean, we're at the age where we have lived through so much, but I didn't think we were going to live through a civil war. Yeah, you know, there, there might very well be a, a form of a civil war. I don't, I don't know exactly what it would look like because unlike the north and south of the civil war in, in the uh, 1860s, the, the, there's a geographical distinction at the very least. Uh, here, there's, while some states are more conservative or, or more liberal, yes, uh, how would such a war look like if it's a physical war? That is, uh, you know, do we all kind of line up and say, okay, all the liberals are going to take over California and the coasts, uh, coastline, Oregon presumably, and everyone else run to the hills of uh, Montana and Idaho and uh, Utah uh, and, and similar states? I don't know. Uh, but, so I just don't know what such a war would look like. But let's, let's move on to another topic because it relates to the immigration crisis. Because I think... In the end of the day, it's about dilution, dilution of America, what it means to be America. When, when, when people talk, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm, I'm worried about uh, Mexicans or Hispanics coming in. I, I welcome them all. I care, I care about their values, and, and I want them to be American. I want them to adopt American values. I want them to go through the process. I'm happy to let uh, people become American citizens. I became an American. I'm a naturalized American citizen. You don't know that, do you? You are. I am. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I was naturalized, I think, when I was 12 or 13. Where is your origin? From, from Israel. Is yeah, it? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. It's, I had no idea. You well, think, you we think, are so much better. You think a good friend like that would know me? Lori, a <laughs> I appreciate I mean, that. Me, personally, have benefited so vastly from your presence in my life what you do in the community and how you try to teach God and fairness and really justice is like, it's moving. You move me. Oh, thank you so, so kindly for the kind words. And I, I promise you I'll pay you later about that. It's, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Right. That, that was totally unsolicited. Yes, I, totally I, I so unsolicited. appreciate that. I really do appreciate Peter. You're, you're a great man. Look, uh, but I remember raising my right hand, and, and I knew that even when I was 12 or so, that this was a special moment. I knew that America was a special country. My parents, of course, appreciated it even more, and they were delighted to be uh, Americans as well. They waited in line the whole nine yards. Uh, and, you know, I want, I want uh, anybody who really fights for America and wants to be American and to, to understand and appreciate the history of what America is, What what is the... What is the essence of America? And we all know that the essence is liberty, right? It, it means about this. It's, it's God, liberty, individual freedom, limited government, and the spread of liberty. Those are the things that I can capture about America. But that's what I want. So, but, but that notion is being diluted. If you let everyone in and just say, come on in, here's the goodies of, of America, it's, it's telling people that you know, they, they, they can't appreciate. They're not asking them to become part of the American equation, the American civilization and society. 
where they can contribute and to understand why America is America. I mean, it's it's a very important question, isn't it? Uh, so so let me just say so the. So one of the things we're hearing a lot about is inflation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's big inflation, no surprise there. When you, when you threaten to pump trillions of dollars, and we already have pumped in a couple of trillion, uh, now yet they're talking, well, you know, since you start with one, why not start, start with many more? You know, like, why stop now? So it seemed to have worked, a trillion dollars for COVID relief and such. Well, then let's keep on going. Why stop now? And so $6 trillion is on the table, more or less, and uh, why stop there? Why not make it $10 trillion? And especially when they say that it costs nothing, right? It costs nothing. Right. So, but we're, gonna, we're already seeing the, the hints of, of inflation, not just because of this pumping of money, but also because they, they're paying people not to work. And as a consequence of that, uh, employers trying to get people to work for them have to offer ever higher wages and salaries, which in turn gets passed on to the product, which in turn leads to inflation and so forth and so on. Okay, to say nothing of the scarcity of resources, which in turn leads to higher prices for those resources. So uh, gasoline is so pumped up right now because uh, we just we decided to get rid of the Keystone Pipeline and we decided to uh, forget about coal. We we decided to uh, try to drastically reduce the gas supply, and now we're begging OPEC to produce. Leads to inflation, right? Mm-hmm. What is the essence of inflation? It dilutes the power of the dollar. Yes. Right. Or whatever your currency might be. But in America, it would it would reduce it dilutes the power of your dollar. So so just like a watered down drink. Right. Your your dollar now has less impact Mm -hmm. on your life. So being a millionaire today doesn't mean the same thing as it did 20 or 30 years ago. Right. So if I tell someone, hey, I'm a millionaire. Uh, okay, what, what do you There's mean? A lot of them these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if your net worth is one point five million dollars, I mean that's not that's nothing to sneeze at. But yeah, you're technically a millionaire, I guess. But are you really? Does that mean you can live high off the hog? No, it doesn't. No, no, no. Yeah, you are living just within like the means of uh, well now in this inflation. But before, I mean, even when when Trump was in office, if you had one point five. The cost of living was so high, you were not living in the huge mansion. You were living in a, uh, you know, a cul-de-sac or a, a regular home with the neighbors, and you didn't have property. You could afford to go out to eat, where some people might not have to ever have to make choices with things. 1.5, I found a very normal life, and I still was not living the life of my parents. Right. Ex- excess of the 70s. That's a great point. It's a great point. So dilution, okay? But... Here's my main takeaway. In what other ways are we, are we diluting our civilization? The money is the obvious one, right? Inflation dilutes the value of your currency. But how about this? How about this? Just to give you some, some thoughts. Are we diluting America? Oh, right. I know. We and what America means. Like. Yeah. I mean, if, if we weren't doing the podcast, we would be communicating uh, silently, telepathically. <laughs> telepathically. Because yes. I know I will mirror what you say, and I don't want to be redundant, but we are diluting America. Yeah. And we're diluting America in a way that is, I, I think, treasonous. Yeah. Because you can't have the squad. You can't, I don't even know how the squad fulfills their oath. They violated their oath in every way. AOC, Tlaib, uh, yeah, on and on. These people are dangerous. So let's, because t- I, I talked a little bit about this on my Sunday show, and I wanted to explore it. I thought this is going to be great to be with Peter about this. So what other ways are we diluting, right? So we're, we're diluting what America means, 
and what being an America, uh, American means. Our values. And our values. So marriage, the, the notion of marriage is being diluted dramatically. Uh, not, and by the way, and, and not necessarily gay marriage. I'm, I'm actually, you know, at first I was questioning about gay marriage. I know you're gay. But, right. um, but now I began and you know to. I'm not married officially yet. Yeah, it, uh, and God willing, you will be. Because I, and the reason why I, I'm kind of okay with gay marriage at this point is because of the idea that, you know, look, uh, it creates a, a sense of commitment. Commitment and responsibility. And responsibility. Yes. It, so there are other issues, and I understand that, and um, it, maybe it should be between a man and woman, but at the very least you can say commitment. Commitment is a good thing. That, that, that We do want people to feel that extra sense of um, responsibility. And, and when you do get married, I think that you should get married in a big way. You know, it, I like the idea of getting married in a big church or a big uh, synagogue or in front of a lot of friends to say, we are doing this. And I want you all to notice this, folks, in front of our friends and family and our peers. This is a big deal for us and, and we're treating it accordingly. As opposed to, you know, signing a piece of paper at the courthouse, we're married. Okay, thanks very much. Have a nice no, day. No. Next. Right. You know, I don't, I don't want to hear that. So, uh, and it's too easy to undo that, so to speak. So, but marriage is the building block of civilization. So when people, two people uh, want to participate in that, I say thumbs up. Now, uh, but going beyond that, family is being diluted. Family. And people are too loose with the term family now. Uh, the mother, mother, father, and child. Well, now, you know, if you want to have a, if you're a, a single mom, a single, a single woman and want to have a child on your own, go to the sperm bank. It's all good. Yeah. No yeah. worries, no, you know, because no. you don't want to let that pass you by. That's the dilution of the family. Yeah. That's the dilution of the unit. And, uh, you know, I'll say it briefly here, um, that you are the greatest um, arbiter of these ideas, having been on one side of the fence and now being on either, not the middle, but on the other side of the fence with an asterisk, I am learning how to navigate my life as a conservative and as a gay man that I am, but I don't wave the flag for it, okay? It's just what I am in my private life. And um, when I heard your dissertation to me about your values, I thought, we will. We could never be friends or the same because you think very differently, and I can't fit into that archetype of the mother, the father, the marriage, the family, the procreation, and all that. And you were very generous in your words to me um, to paraphrase that. You know, there are people that are. are putting out the children, but we also need caregivers. We need teachers. We need people with solid values. And I'm trying to make a place in the society wearing that hat because I find myself trying to please you in a way where I'm not going to be married to a woman, but I am going to be in a extremely committed. committed, monogamous, loving, productive relationship, and it should be celebrated. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I, I've met his, uh, I guess, uh, gentleman, friend, partner, uh, a fantastic stand-up man. I, I, I really love him, too. Great, uh, great couple. He, he's, the, he's the kind of understated one. You're kind of the outspoken one. I, I, I guess every, every couple is kind of like that. Has, I, I would say that I'm the outspoken one in my marriage, and my wife is very uh, understated, a little bit shy. Too, and let me tell you, the union is symbiotic. It's like oh. uh, complete sentences, complete thoughts, complete movements within the house. I mean, right. you know, oh. it's, it's, You're very kind. Oh, no. But, but, family. Stand up. Totally stand up. <laughs> so let, let's talk about other things that are being devalued because it's really interesting. Sex. The, the, the power of sex, it used to be that sex was so 
lofty, a value. It, it was so powerful. And now we're treating it like a little bit above ice cream. You know? <laughs> you want to get some ice cream? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, so Let's go. It's, it's so, so casual. casual. Right. It's a, it's a hookup culture. You've heard that phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, of course, Tinder, which is, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge Tinder for existing. I think Tinder is simply a reflection of the times. And it's meeting demand. So, you know, t- Tinder didn't create this demand. The demand created Tinder. Uh, but in any event, it's this um, crazy culture where, I don't know if you know this, but um, men and women are, are, and I'm really blaming women more than anything else, they will go on their first date and they'll have sex first. Before you even know each other's before names. Yeah, almost. almost before they know each other's yeah. names. Yep. And then they'll go out for coffee uh, and they get to know each other that way. So it's like uh, that's the protocol now. Now, I'm not saying it's true for every single relationship, but Tinder is a hookup culture. I mean, it's designed for that. It's swipe right, swipe left. Is she hot? Is he hot? Or are they not? And, and that's that. Vapid, visual, judgmental, spur of the moment. And you have, to, you have to really remember, I mean, I like to break down the walls of hypocrisy because apparently I was called on it years ago, though I'm, I'm not a hypocrite. To know me is to know I'm not. And I, you know, I justice for truth and transparency. These people, because I was one amongst the crowd, they're usually younger than us a little bit, but drugs are so accepted into the mainstream. Everybody is impaired in a way that is either lowering the bar of what they want or lowering the threshold for decency. And so, yes, this hookup. And I used to be so amazed um, when I was uh, working for Calvin Klein as a makeup artist. I knew a lot of women in New York. And they spoke like sailors about what would happen the night before with their boyfriends or husbands. I was so taken aback. I mean, I I was raised very picket fence, and women were on pedestals. And uh, to hear women talk in the vernacular of men's locker room talking, that was in the early 80s. Shocked me. Yeah, it is shocking and disturbing. Uh, and, and look, I, I talk a lot about this in my book, Rise of the Sex Machines. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, uh, sex is a powerful, powerful thing. It's, it's um, you know, I, I, I joked in the- war over sex. Well, that's true. Nations we, have risen and fallen over sex. And, and men do things in, the, you know, in order to acquire uh, sexual, you know, activity. Uh, but- but putting that aside, you know, it begs the question, why is sex so pleasurable, especially for men, uh, but it's also for women, too? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a 30. Why, why is it a 30? Why does it have to be a 30? And, and you, before you answer, duh, Barack, you know, the reason why is we want to encourage, you know, nature wants to encourage reproduction. No, no, that's, no, not. that's not it. No, no, no. Uh, for me, and by the way, I have... I, I, um, have seen you encouraging, um, you know, men to go make babies with their wives, yeah. uh, you know, and I love that. And God knows how I stumbled upon it, but you know, I am a, uh, you know, a Barackophile and have a lot of content amongst yes. in my hard drive now. Right. But um, it was very interesting to see that, to see you coaching and letting people know it's all right, and this is what we need to do because we need good people. Yes, we need good people, and what I have found is there is no other way during the act of making love, whether it's procreating or not, if it's, if it's a valid connection and you're doing it with your committed uh, partner, your spouse, your, you know, your fiancé, there is a level of connection that is magically 
addictively strong and you you, you know you're I'll, I'll go so connected. far I'll go so far as to say it's a religious experience it is a religious yeah. experience and it's not just necessarily for procreation obviously uh, even even between uh, man and woman uh, you know in, in Judaism for example it's considered a mitzvah to have sex on Shabbat okay and, and in fact you're encouraged to have a lot of sex but it, it's especially encouraged during uh, Shabbat and, uh, and obviously, it's not just for procreation. It's the, this bonding uh, between two people is so extraordinary and so exquisite, and you feel so connected. God wants us to have that. But again, I don't want, I don't want to get too down in the weeds no, on that. Right. I simply do want to say, though, that sex has been diluted with all this hookup culture. Now, let's move on to They're another. trying to get a connection. Yeah. They're oh. going for a, an end, a response, right. you know, the eruption, um, right. the, 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 the rock, my, rock my world. Yeah. They're cheating. It's hitting. I mean, anyone, so yeah, yes. you, you can get an orgasm, you know, any day you want by, by yourself or with a prostitute or just a cheap one night stand if you want. Those are all orgasm producing, as it were, but it's not the same. It's not. Oh, and, no. and, and, you're, you, and, and deep down, I think that when people do that, there is a sense of guilt associated, whether they're you know, doing it with themselves or with a prostitute or a one night stand, there's a sense of guilt. And I tell you why. Because you know you're cheating what God wants. It's for the purpose of one or the one of the two things. One is procreation, or two, and and together with it, intimacy. Intimacy. And you can never truly enjoy sex uh, if 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 you were. Let's put it this way. Let's say you have. The sex. He's had that bad one night stand oh. where they're not comfortable with the person and they go through with it anyway. And it's, yeah. it's like, but it's like, no, you and I are talking about something that something is a, a yeah. harmonic uh, union. That's right. And again, I find myself not fitting into your, but I do exactly. You do. No, you, you do. can't exclude me. And I want to be a part of your tribe because what it is, is there's a connection an organic um, uh, what did uh, you What did you say? What was that beautiful word you just uh, used? Organic uh, intimacy. The intimacy. Yeah. So, but let me. And this this will apply to couples, whether they're gay or straight. Um, I'm going to give you a, a a thought experiment. Okay, let's say in a given year, you have sex. Uh, 365 days a year, right? So let's say you don't necessarily want to have it every single day, but let's say you have it, you know, two thirds of that time. So. Uh, 220 times a year, okay? Now, that's a sexual act 220 times a year. You can either have that with one person with whom you are very close, very intimate, 220 times, or with 220 different people, okay? Which one is going to be meaningful to you, right? The 220 different people are just orgasms. That's it. You're doing... It, it, you're cheapening it. It's, it means nothing. But if you have it with one person and only one person, it elevates. It, you, there's something deeper in the whole process. There's, there's a tenderness associated with all of that that you just can't have when you have multiple, multiple, multiple people, right? Uh, and that's, that's an important part of it. Anyway, that's the dilution of sex. I want to talk about another dilution, the dilution of justice, Oh, God, it's gone. Right? Think, gone. think about how we have diluted justice in the past year alone. Gone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, okay, if you don't know, Barack is an attorney. <laughs> um, but, but this is the thing. I think about it often. I have a relationship personally and professionally with you, Barack. Mm-hmm. And per- professionally, I am 
asking myself questions. How are you navigating this new uh, field of lack of following the rules and the statutes and, and, the, and everything that the Constitution was written, the words and what they meant and how they are being are just abandoned right now. I, I, there is no justice. You know, it, you're right. And I tell this to my clients, uh, you know, routinely. I've, t- I've told them ever since I started, you know, there's no necessarily guarantee in a result. Uh, but now I find myself saying not only that there's no guarantee in the result, but it's a wild west out there. The things that are going on in the court system and the way that people are able to do crazy things, fraud, breach of contract, negligence, and get away with things. Uh, I'm not just scratching my head. I'm, I'm angry. In, this, in the same way that you and I are uh, angry and depressed when we talked about the immigration crisis, right? That's the way I'm feeling about the justice system. Well, you get it as being the the barrister to arbitrate these laws for yeah. people who have been wronged. Anybody who knows me uh, knows that I'm a victim of this watered-down justice and one of the reasons we met and became so close, but not to talk about me, it, but to know people, bad things can happen to you by people who have flagrantly violated laws, statutes, business practices, and literally either killed you or taken your life savings or maimed you in some way, and the court doesn't even want to entertain the proceeding. They rubber stamp it for these people that are taking. So the message to me is, uh, why not become a criminal or a thief if you have, I mean, of course. Well, that, that gets to the next point, which is about law enforcement, generally oh. speaking. So I'll tell you the many myriad ways, because it's very related to what you just said, and I'm, I'm so glad you said it that way. So not only are, are there issues with regarding to the, the justice system, look, and there, there are many good judges, and they're very diligent, and I'm, I'm happy to know uh, a lot of them and have been before a lot of them. I, I, I don't want to do a broad swath on all judges. But there are getting to be more and more, and even the good judges, they, they're frustrated because they can only do so much. Their hands are tied, um, especially in the criminal side as well. But even on the collection side, for example, let's say you get a judgment against somebody and now you want to go collect it. Uh, what do you do with that? You have to go, first of all, find the assets. Uh, it's very hard to find the assets now because there are all sorts of privacy laws. So they're making it easier for bad guys. Um, secondly, the sheriff's department uh, is overwhelmed with, with work and they're perceived to be bad guys too. Right. And so you can't, it's hard to get a sheriff to go out and uh, let's say liquidate that bank account or, uh, you know, go after that home. They just, it's just delayed beyond recognition. Then on the criminal side, you've heard that there's no bail required in, I believe in California now. I know that's true in New York. Uh, then you've also heard that they don't enforce the laws when it comes to homelessness, to uh, defecation and other, you know, body, bodily relief uh, in public. Uh, they, uh, if you want to steal, uh, you know, merchandise up to $950 at uh, CVS or any other store for that matter, go ahead. It's considered only a misdemeanor at best and they won't even enforce it. So literally, I, I, have you been in a CVS where you've seen somebody come well, in I've and just start CVS taking it? And I've been in Rite Aid. Yeah. Um, and I've been in Devon's. Yeah. And same thing. Same thing. And um, it just happened to be uh, a white homeless man, indigent, who, and this is during COVID, everybody, who came in 
and was hungry and started taking food, you know, bags of chips, opening them up, taking a chip and throwing the bag down. He went into the beverage aisle, touched everything, and went through to make a statement that, you know, I'm homeless, I'm dirty, and I'm touching everything. Deal with it. And so the loss for the store was, you know, a lot of money, but he wanted something to drink. No one would have begrudged him, a, you know, a pop if he just would have asked. But he went in and caused this damage and scene. And then see, at, at Rite Aid, I have witnessed it in Long Beach where people have gone in. Uh, I do a lot of shopping in, like, you know, uh, <coughs> you know, the, the personal shampoo aisles and stuff like that. They go in and they're taking the things right off of the shelf in a bag that they brought in or just walking out with the bottles. Nobody stops them. Yeah. And, and, but I have a funny feeling that if I did it, I would get caught. Yeah, especially because you dress well and, you, you know, you look well, well taken care of. Thing, but yeah, but, but if you look disheveled, I guess that's the trick. You know, like kind of let yourself go for a couple of days, wear some beat up old T-shirts, uh, you know, wear, uh, wear just underwear, I guess. <laughs> Something like that. I'm grateful that they're able to do this, too. Oh, of course not. No, no they, they, they feel entitled. entitled. That's the problem. I have seen the same thing as CVS uh, very close by here, actually. And I just, I'm buying my stuff and, and I see this guy come in and just take the they stuff. Did. And then he, he actually waves at the cash register guy and the cash register guy just kind of rolls his eyes. Um, and, and off he goes. I guess the best thing you can say about that is there's no violent encounter. That's, I guess that's a good thing. But it doesn't matter. The CVS is going to go, is going to go under soon enough. Well, what's the end game with that, all of this? Well, because, they're, they're, I mean, the, the, the end game is... Uh, it's designed to cause uh, civilization, or at least capitalism, to collapse to, to the point where the government takes over this or that, the CBS equivalent. Uh, and then nobody can steal from that. They, they will enforce that. You know, things will be great then. Uh, so they will say, look, you know, capitalism is failing. Well, the reason why it's failing is because they're not enforcing the law, which is the one social thing. That we do want. So it's, it's really socialism that's failing, not, not capitalism. Anyway, the point is, like, like private security systems would be fine, right? They, they would handle that. Yes, they would. I mean, do you think that we have failed as, not as teachers or as citizens, but as individuals? Because someone said a sentence to me, very basic, and it, but it, it sunk in for the first time. Do you know, if you know a 20-year-old... They don't know about 9-11. They weren't born yet. So 20 years ago, I mean, I remember what it was like talking to my grandparents who talked about the 50s. It sounded like an ancient time yes, in yeah. the 70s and the 80s. Happy, right? happy, days, happy days was in the 70s, right? That the TV show was in the 70s. Yeah. And they were talking about this glorious time 20 years before that uh, called uh, the 50s, just you like feel you're talking like about. So long ago? And it felt so long ago okay, well, at that point. people is not a long time, yeah. really. Okay, so at mid-50s, it's not a long time. We have people coming up now going to be taking the positions in business, in our civil justice system, um, government, uh, and they are, they never grew up in any kind of strife. They don't know the pillars that our ancestors put in, the labor to build the country, and they don't know 9-11, what it's like to be attacked. They don't even know what year America declared independence. Uh, that is a shocking thing. And, and I, Peter, when you meet a young person, uh, and when I say young person, I mean 35 yes. or younger, uh-huh. uh, ask him or her, ask him, I'm just curious, uh, you know, hopefully you can segue into it nicely somehow, but you say, listen, I'm just curious, so, you know, do you, do you know what year America became an independent country? It's not a trick question. Uh, you know, can you just tell me what year and what date if you happen to know? And it's the strangest thing. I, I, I'll tell you, nine out of ten people 
in that age group? Don't know. They we just don't know. The 10th guy is conservative. <laughs> you know, right. we knew this coming out of the womb. Yeah. Almost. I mean, yeah. like, a, you know, like the giraffe knows how to land on its feet and walk away. <laughs> we knew July 4th is the day we celebrated our independence. 1776 <clears throat> for anybody. It was that basic. Aware of it. It's that basic. It's that Which basic. leads us to the last uh, devaluation, or I guess the dilution, and that is education. Right? Just like, I mean, it, it was beautiful, that segue, because uh, that's the last one. And there are many other uh, dilutions uh, that I could talk about. Uh, you know, we talked about family as well. But education has been diluted so beyond, uh, especially history. Um, look at math, for example. Two plus two doesn't necessarily that's equal racist. four. It could be racist, for all we know. I don't even uh, know what that means. Right. I, I, you, you, would think, you, you would think something obviously objective like math uh, would not be a cause of controversy. But there it is. Science is the same thing. Uh, you're not, we're not learning, uh, we're not taking uh, critical thinking, which is a, should be a major part of education. Uh, that's been diluted beyond which all is recognition. Not critical race theory. <laughs> Good point. Let's be yeah, very let's, clear let's, about yeah, critical uh, race theory is not the same thing as critical thinking. They, they, yes. they have only the, the letters in common uh, that comprise critical. But the point is that we are learning uh, virtually nothing. Uh, oh, they, they're, they, learning. they're learning and, and, that we're evil. Okay. They're also learning that the, the use of the English language is not necessary. I mean, talk about diagramming a sentence. The last time uh, your, your children, our children, have ever diagrammed a sentence. I mean, I remember doing that when I was little. I understand the concept of subject, verb, predicate, right? You, you say that to a, a young child today, they'll look at you as if you're talking about the, like, like we should be living on the moon. Uh, they, there is no sense of that anymore. So they, they're not good in math. They're not good in history. They're not good in English. Otherwise, the education system is awesome. So we, we've got a big problem, a major, well, major problem here. If they're not good in math, history, or English skills, what is left? I mean, the social skills, that's, that's not a skill. Yeah, well, they'll learn about social-emotional learning, which is a new thing, by the way. You, you may not know this, but that's, you actually learn about an hour every week called social-emotional learning, and it sounds just as uh, new-agey as it sounds. It's really nonsensical. Uh, but the whole idea is so that you can be kind of tame and non-confrontational and non-creative, in my opinion. That, I think that's the main mission. But uh, look, maybe that's a little too cynical and a little too dark. But uh, what I am upset about is that they don't teach you know, actual history, actual English, actual math and science. It is disturbing to me. Is there no social studies <clears throat> class there no is, longer? There is a social studies, but what does that mean, right? Social studies. Social studies can mean uh, Black Lives Matter studies, right? That's, that's what they're gearing up for. They think that uh, history began in, in, uh, from the time of Martin Luther King. And even then, they, they questioned him because, you know, he, he went off uh, with that crazy statement that one should be judged by the contact of your character, not your skin. Wow. That was wrong, <laughs> according to Black idea. Lives Matter. Right? So that's a dilution. Again, but think about it. I mean, you can, you can go with this, folks, uh, as you listen on and think about this after this podcast. Think about the many different areas of our lives, our civilization, in America at least, which have been diluted. Everything has been diluted. Even God, the notion of God, and the notion of civilization, that, that the Western civilization is a good thing, that civilization at all should exist, has been diluted. And that, my friends, is a very sad day indeed. Peter, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast today. As always, you liven it up. Uh, you are such a treat, and you're such a good friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barack. This 
writes itself because it is our world right now and it is so serious. I don't think there's been a more important subject to get to the bottom of. Yeah. Well, God bless Peter and God bless everyone. And uh, this is Brock Lurie. This is Brock. This is Brock Lurie signing off, saying God bless, and we will talk with you next week.